welcome to Inside the BACB, the official podcast of the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. In this episode, Kyle Jordan, the BACB's Director of Testing and Accreditation, joins Deputy CEO Dr. Melissa Nosek to discuss the role of subject matter experts at the BACB, including who they are, how they're selected, and what they do. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the BACB. Uh, Today, I'll be your host. I'm Melissa Nosek, the Deputy CEO at the BACB. Today, our topic is subject matter experts. I've asked our Director of Testing and Accreditation, Kyle Jordan, to join me today for this discussion. Hi, Kyle. Hello. Hello, everyone. Kyle, could you share a little bit about your history before we get started and, you know, maybe what you do for us here at the BACB in your role? Absolutely. Well, I am a Northwest Tennessee native. Uh, my background is in education. I started my career in K-12, through where I taught middle and high school for a number of years. And in 2009, I received an opportunity to move to the Washington, D.C. area, where I entered the higher education industry. And after working in that industry for a number of years, I found my passion for examination development and maintenance, uh, which led to me working in the certification industry. My role here at the BACB is really to ensure that the BACB credentialing programs are informed by the practitioners that are currently working in the profession. And it's a joy, actually, to be surrounded every day by passionate individuals. And I would also relay that the same positive feelings that I received while working in K-12 through have still very much been present while working here at the BACB. So it's a very special place. Yes, it is. And I love the use of the word passion there. We have a lot of passionate individuals in this profession. Absolutely. And so it's been a pleasure to have you on board here. So just to provide an overview of why we're here talking about SMEs and they, the role they play for the BACB today is because they are mission critical for the organization. So Kyle, as you mentioned, um, SMEs are what inform our standards. And it's really important that our standards, examination, et cetera, come from behavior analysts. So that's why we're here discussing this today. We've had more questions than usual recently about SMEs and their activities, how they're selected. Um, And that's why we wanted to share some additional information. And thank you for bringing your expertise to the discussion today. So before we get started, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just going to say that my intraverbals around subject matter experts or SMEs, we also refer to them as SMEs, mm-hmm. or we may even say SMEetings, which are the meetings where <laughs> SMEs are present, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So we'll try to stick to SME, but if SMEeting- <laughs> If it um, comes out. If it comes out, it comes out. <laughs> it's really exciting that we get to share some additional information about the importance of this critical activity for the BACB as an organization. Okay, so Kyle, the question I hear most frequently about SMEs is related to the title and what the word expert means. Can you share with our listeners where that title comes from and what it means? Sure. The term subject matter expert is a part of the certification industry's nomenclature, and it means an individual who holds the credential or has met professional milestones that demonstrate their qualifications to hold a credential. That said, many of our SMEs are actual experts, uh, veterans with many years of experience. They have a wide range of seniority levels on our examination committees. And we also have a number of SMEs that serve in ethics, appeals, 
and in our requirement development activities as well. Uh, These individuals are generally more senior and more experienced. So another point of lore in the profession is that only BACB certificates can serve as SMEs. Can you talk a little bit about the qualifications? Like, um, you know, you're the person responsible for reviewing the applications and composing the work groups in ways that are in alignment with our accreditation standards. Oh, absolutely. Well, just to stipulate right off the bat, anyone can serve as a SME. Uh, They do not have to be a certificate. Um, They simply need to have an an interest in the industry and that, again, passion. Yeah. The word passion is going to be pivotal. Gotcha. you know, and behavior analysis is larger than our credential program. So we definitely seek expertise from individuals that aren't certified. We're sort of unique, too, because, you know, a lot of our growth has happened in recent years. So I would imagine that there are a lot of individuals that are practicing behavior analysis mm-hmm. and could lend expertise to the work that a subject matter expert does, but they may not hold a credential. So what we're saying what you're saying is anybody can serve as a subject matter expert absolutely okay. and if you think about it if there's no contingency for having the credential then there wouldn't be a need for it so those individuals who ah, you know who that's are, right. have that passion and have that interest they're certainly qualified as as long as they've met some of the other qualifications that we look yeah. for as well and just to touch base on some of those You know, we do have an online application that we ask that everyone fill out in order to be engaged in this process. Um, We ask specifically on that application, you know, why do you want to be a SME? And that essay portion is extremely important for this process. I'm sure. We look at academic history throughout the application process as well. So we do collect information on that. Ooh, why do you look at the academic history? Because we get that question a lot. Oh, it's important. Important because we just don't want too many SMEs representing one particular academic uh-huh. program. So it's very important to just have diversity representation with academic experience as well as professional experience. Ooh, that has been something that has occasionally been a challenge, right? With the growth of our profession, it used to be that, I mean, the number of university training programs has grown over the last decade. If I'm correct, you look at the number of years somebody's worked in the profession to have some diversity among groups of experience. Mm -hmm. So some of our SMEs that have been working in the profession for 10 or 15 years, it's likely that they came from the same cluster of academic training program. Oh, absolutely. And again, we just want to be mindful of 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 that academic experience. So when we are putting together a committee, it's just one of those components that we, we need to make sure is not overrepresented in the group. That that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. In addition to academic history, I would just point out that we do collect uh, a CV so that we can make sure that there are no restricted activities mentioned on that document um, and make sure that there are no conflicts of interest. So that's another pivotal. uh, Uh Uh-huh component of the application process as well. What's an example of a conflict of interest that is the most common that you see with applications? Uh, I would say teaching a prep course for- that makes sense. Right. So exam preparation activities, that makes sense because if somebody is writing 
the questions for an exam preparation experience, it would probably be really difficult to discern between questions that they wrote here at the BACB yes. versus questions that they're doing writing for their own exam prep materials. That makes a lot of sense. It just hits a little too close to home. Yeah. So you have to make sure that uh, those individuals uh, don't get trained too thoroughly in the art yeah, of question absolutely. development and then take that to their training program. So we have to to monitor that. So so you're composing, Kyle, a work group. Say we're doing BCBA item writing. What are the key variables that you're looking at? So you've mentioned academic training history is just one thing, but um, NCCA, right, has mm-hmm. standards around NCCA for our listeners is um, the accreditation body that the BACB's programs are accredited through. Sure. So they have standards related to these work groups. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yes, we do look at many factors when putting together a committee. And actually, as I briefly spoke about the application, uh, actually, each question on that app in itself is actually a reflection point to determine feasibility. Um, so, for example, we do have three standing committees uh, for RBT, BCABA, and BCBA that require specific skills uh-huh. and skill sets. So we want to staff those committees as appropriately as possible. And so NCCA does provide specific guidance on that. And actually, there's one standard in itself that addresses panel compositions that is extremely important. And if you will, and if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and read directly yes, the standards ahead. so it gives everybody yeah. a little bit of context. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Standard 13 is is again titled panel composition mm-hmm. and it stipulates that the certification program must use panels of qualified subject matter experts to provide insight and guidance and to participate in job analysis, standard setting and other examination development activities. And within that standard, there is some essential elements that must be uh, covered and one of those is, you know, Section A that says each panel must represent the relevant characteristics of the population to be certified as the program defines them. The process of recruitment and involvement of SMEs must prevent the undue or disproportionate influence of any individual or group. Uh-huh. And so that's where we really look at some of the other yeah. characteristics that are important to the process, such as, you know, making sure that it's geographically diverse. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we want to monitor areas of practice as well. So one of the cool things that I hear you saying here, <laughs> and you're the expert on certification everything, but we get the question a lot, why did the BACB do? Hmm. And I guess the better question should be, why did the SMEs decide? Right. Because they're the people that are driving what the requirements are and um, the examination Um, content overall. Absolutely. I mean, we have to listen to them. And again, those are those passionate people that um, are informing us and the practitioners really lead the way. Mm -hmm. So we have to listen and digest what's been said and let them guide us in our next steps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. What a good experience people have when they're out here doing activities with your team. And you know, when you see a diverse panel, 
brought together and everyone's working towards an objective and goal with the same mindset. I mean, it is a special situation and you definitely get to see that play out. And that's again, why diversity is so important because everybody's got something to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so again, just one small component. I mean, being a rural person myself, uh, you know, we, yes, (laughs) we have rural representations on our panels and it's just lovely to see rural and urban come together. Yeah. And discuss how uh, their situations play out and how that uh, affects the examinations. Yeah, I love it. So, Kyle, I see you over there with some data in front of you. (laughs) Do you want to share with us um, some of the SME data? Absolutely. Well, just to let everyone know what a um, passionate group of people, again, that are involved in Uh, our programs, we have had 895 submissions um, for SME positions here at the BACB. So again, it's just overwhelming to see that. And again, with my background and having previously worked with some other certification organizations, this is unprecedented to see. Really? So I've just, you know, I have colleagues who are also in the industry mm-hmm. who are fighting and scraping and to do, find volunteers to find them. Yes. Really? To find that engagement. And so to have 895 submissions since January 1st, 2019, I believe is when the application went live. It's just been, it's such a blessing to see. And so it gives us such a wide variety of, of people to to choose from. Yeah. I remember uh, at a recent certification convention, people being surprised at the number of volunteers. And it didn't mean much to me at the time, mm-hmm. but it sounds like it's generally a struggle to get people to volunteer their time. I mean, it's unpaid time that they're leaving work right. to dedicate to helping the profession in this capacity. Mm-hmm. And we just don't have to worry about those in- recruitment endeavors. Yeah. We get to just move straight to the work, which is wonderful. Um, But just to let everyone know, we do have also uh, 169 active members uh, serving on the three standing committees for each credential program. And so that equates to about 19% of the actual submissions. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because we you know, I encounter regularly people that have submitted an application mm. and just haven't been selected for a committee uh, because people like this activity and enjoy participating in it. If somebody's submitted an application, they haven't been selected or contacted yet, how long do the applications stay in our queue? They're, they're there indefinitely. We want them there um, to be able to always access in case not only do we need to fill a position in one of the standing committees, uh-huh. but just in case there's an ad hoc project that comes up where we need a group of people to come together quickly. So for example, the board of directors may request that a certain standard be reviewed. And so we might need to pull together a work group really fast in order to to deal with that. And so the software that we're using Mm -hmm. uh, for this endeavor is pretty cool because you can quickly log in Mm -hmm. and look to, if you're looking for SMEs with a certain area of practice expertise, um, you can filter everybody that has submitted an application. And I'll tell you, we have 30 SMEs in the system that work in education or in behavioral gerontology, whatever the area might be. If those are the experts that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. It helps us be much more efficient in our process to use a platform like that, where we can really pull together a working group 
Um, that is properly composed absolutely. real fast. Yep. So when individuals are filling out the application, it's really important that they pay close attention to those variables since they're filters that we use to select the appropriately composed work group. Yes. I would, again, yeah, the application is pivotal and really every component of it is used in order to potentially pull together a group. So th- it's, it's just, it's, yeah. I, you know, I just want to um, make sure that everyone takes that application seriously and every yeah. portion that they fill out, you know, is definitely a component that we utilize. Yeah. The application is on the BACB website. It's mm-hmm. available anytime. Is that right? That's and correct. there are no downtimes. So somebody can fill out an application at any time. That's correct. I mean, we do try to do quarterly uh, recruitment endeavors mm-hmm. in order to make sure that we're getting yeah. uh, people to go and fill out that application. Oh, yeah. So people have gotten emails recently, and I've gotten feedback about. The requests that have gone out more frequently than we used to. Yeah. Sure. And we just want to make sure, again, that our database remains robust and that if we need, again, to pull together a yeah. committee in, in an expedited way, that we can do that efficiently. And it just, it helps to make sure that as many people who want to participate can feel like yeah. they can participate and that we're adding them to the group. So... It's a family. Excellent. I love it. So one more aspect of the meeting. So you've already mentioned right now we have three committees per um, credential, but we have some ad hoc committees that are brought together. Mm -hmm. So that essentially means that if you have applied and you are selected as an SME, you could be serving just for for one meeting or several years of service, depending on the type of committee you're selected for. For the people that might be um, engaged in an activity that is multiple years long, Mm -hmm. what does that schedule look like? Are they required to travel? How much time commitment? Uh, Yes. Again, our standing committees are two-year terms of service. So we ask that those three standing committees per credential really do commit to that time period. Okay. And we try to have at least two uh, on-site meetings here in Denver per committee or per credential uh, committee. So again, if someone's working for RBT and they're in one of those standing committees, they should they should plan to be in Denver at least twice a year. Gotcha. And so we try to plan um, our dates out, uh, you know, I'd say a year in advance where we try to provide that sort of notice so that our SMEs can mm-hmm. can really coordinate and make sure that they're available. And the BACB for these volunteers covers the cost of airfare and hotel sure. for the days that our volunteers are here in the Denver area. And we try to just take care of them as best we yes. can in all endeavors. And I hope that any of our um, current SMEs that are listening would certainly support that statement. Yeah. And hello to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, that's awesome. Um, I'm sure they're listening too. Uh, and man, SMEs are always reporting how good of a time they have when you are hosting them here at the office. So that's excellent. Uh, so is there anything else that we want to cover while we're on today? And just one more food for thought um, for those individuals that would like to participate and who can't feel or can't um, commit to an onside trip to Denver. We do have virtual work opportunities and work groups where we, again, compose a group in order to tackle 
a project online. And so we use our uh, item bank platform in order to divvy up assignments and projects. And we ask that the individuals involved in those really stay committed. And we try to engage on many different levels for that remote work. So it's an opportunity for them to participate as well it, it, for those individuals who just where travel is not an option. Very good. Thanks so much, Kyle. And thanks for joining us for this discussion today. Thank you to all those listeners out there. Again, if you're interested in being in a meeting uh-huh. <laughs> or uh, joining us here in Denver to contribute to the profession by uh, being a subject matter expert for the BACB, again, log on to BACB.com and fill out one of those applications. Yes, please do. Thank you so much, everyone, for your participation. And please fill out that app. Join us. Join the family. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the BACB. Say goodbye, Kyle. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Inside the BACB. Don't miss future episodes. Subscribe now.